Christmas is the story of the highest glory coming to the lowest people. You know, I always get nostalgia on Christmas Eve because I think I've been in this room every Christmas Eve since I've been six years old. And my favorite part of my favorite service, and I'm saying this even as the preacher, is the singing. It's the music. The music that's beyond the silliness of the Christmas season and the songs that come with it, and I'm all in on that too. But when you get to this place at this time on this day, I think there's, no, there's nothing more special, nothing more powerful than singing these kind of angst-filled, um, Christ-exalting songs of anticipation. And our Advent series um, over these past few weeks have been, has been entitled The Songs of Christmas. And we're looking at the original Christmas album, the four songs that are in the opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke. And up to this point, we've listened to two of the tracks already. Mary's song, we looked at a couple weeks ago. Pastor Joe preached powerfully Zechariah's song just this past Sunday. And now here on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the third and shortest song of them all. Because, as is often the case, the best things to say in life often require the least amount of words. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, or you can follow on the screen as well. If you have a blue pew Bible that you want to use, you can find it on page 857. We're going to read verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Christmas is the story of the highest glory coming to the lowest people. And this two-lined song at the end of that passage, which was sung by a multitude of angels, is this climatic explosion of worship that just feels so fitting for the moment. Um, Have you ever asked yourself why you sing? Why do you find yourself in situations where you decide, I need to sing, not just speak? It might be in church. It might be when you're at, uh, alone in your car on the highway and think nobody is watching you. It might be when you're home. It might be when you're upset and when you're happy. Why? Are there moments where you say, I just need to sing right now? Maybe we don't have a scientific reason why, and maybe it is enough to just say and recognize there are moments in life where singing just feels so fitting. There were three movements in this scene, in this passage, that ends in a song that I want to look at briefly. First, the proclamation. Second, the audience, and then third, the song. So first, the proclamation. You know, in the verses um, before the passage we just read, in Luke 2, 1 through 7, 
um, Luke gives you the story of Jesus' birth. And what stands out in those verses is that nothing really stands out about them. The most glorious moment in all of history was just written about without much glory. Luke just writes kind of nonchalantly, the Roman governor, he called for a census, which required all families to go to the father's hometown to register. So Joseph took his pregnant fiance on a trip to Bethlehem. Now, there is no record as to how Mary received this news, that at nine months pregnant, she had to travel 80 miles, no trains, no Ubers, no planes. Now, having some relatively recent experience living with a woman who has been nine months pregnant, I have made the mistake of asking Rochelle in those moments to go get me something from the other room. And usually, it's not even a verbal answer, right? It's a look. All it takes is a look. It's a look somewhere between, that's funny, and I'm going to kill you. (laughs) So Joseph hopefully had a full travel plan in place when he broke the news to Mary at nine months pregnant uh, with God's child. We're going on a trip. It won't be short. It will be rough. And not only that, but it kind of gets worse. And Luke continues to write nonchalantly that while they were there, it came time for Mary to give birth. And oh, by the way, there was no place for them to stay. And she gave birth in a stable. And Jesus was born in a manger, which is really just a better sounding name to an animal feeding trough. Right? Even, um, you know, in, in our nativity setups, in our pictures, in our cartoons, in our movies, that manger is always very clean looking, right? It looks almost cozy for baby Jesus. Probably not cozy. Probably not very clean. And I'm just saying, I think Joseph got a lot of side eye out of Mary on this trip, as he should have. But point being, the most glorious moment in all of history just happened. And Megan alluded to it earlier. It happened, and no one noticed. Nothing happened. Until in a field in the same region, according to Luke, not sure how far we are from the stable that these shepherds are, the sky lights up. And it lights up in the darkness, not with the sun, not with a comet, not with stars, not with the moon, but with the glory of the Lord shining all around them. There's no way we can imagine what that was, would have been like or looked like, but if you even went in your mind's eye and you tried to put yourself in a dark field and the sky lighting up, the shepherd's reaction is pretty understandable. It's the same reaction that every other person in the Bible had when they witnessed the glory of the Lord. It was terrifyingly amazing, emphasis on terrifying. And then verse 14 And the angel proclaims, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Have you ever wrestled with the question of how do I explain Christmas to somebody? It's this massive season-long industry. How would if you had one minute, right, the old, if you were in an elevator with somebody, uh, non-COVID world, and you were talking to them, and you had one minute with them, and it came up that you, what is Christmas all about? Where are you going with that? If you have a young child... How do you explain Christmas when you know you probably have a one-minute attention span coming 
back at you. Luke just gave it to you. If you have one minute to explain Christmas, here you go. Ready? Good news, great joy, all the people. Three phrases that give you Christmas probably better than any 20-minute ongoing diatribe that we would give. Good news, great joy, all the people. The birth of Jesus proclaims the good news that God took on flesh and descended to us because we could not ascend to his heights. This leads to great joy because we don't have to fake it anymore. You know how exhausting it is to fake it in life? Like you have it all together and you have it figured out. You know where you're going. You know where this is all headed. You don't have to fake it anymore. That's great joy. We don't need to find our own way to salvation. We don't have to project to the world that we got it all figured out. We're not saved by our works, but by believing in the one who saves. And this transforms us from the inside out. And it is for all the people. This was probably not as radical sounding to us as it was to those hearing it in the first century. But as um, British pastor uh, J.C. Ryle says, God is no respecter of men. Meaning there is not one kind of person Jesus came for, not one kind of family, not one kind of ethnicity, not one kind of skin color, not one kind of socioeconomic status. There's no class divisions. There's no class system. There's no racial hierarchy. There's no favoritism in God's economy. This offer is for all the people of the earth. And there's no person that has ever been born who this baby was not born for. So I say this to you. I say this to my own family. Let's, let's keep the fun things about Christmas. Let's keep our fame favorite family traditions that you're going to have tonight, that you're going to have tomorrow, or maybe you're taking a break this year, uh, but hopefully they'll be back next year. Enjoy the season. Enjoy everything that comes with it. But above all, remember the reason. Good news. Great joy. All the people. That's the proclamation. Second, the audience. The angels just came to a group of shepherds who along with the rest of the world were going about their lives like it was any other night. This is the graveyard shift of the shepherds, right? So the only thing worse than having to count sheep in order to fall asleep is having to watch sheep who are asleep. Shepherds in the first century were bottom of the totem pole in the eyes of the Jewish people. They were a despised group. They were a lowly group. We have no bearing of this, I think, in our 21st century American context. But, I mean, this is as low as you can get in your culture. A lowly group. Shepherds, by the nature of their jobs, could not observe Israel's ceremonial laws and their cleanliness laws, which means they were literal outsiders. They were not welcome in the temple. They could not go inside the gate. They could not give testimony in court because they were deemed unreliable and untrustworthy. And yet, who were the first ones that receive the announcement of Jesus' birth? Was it those at the top of their society? Was it the Roman emperor or governor who called for the census? Was it the Jewish high priest? Was it the respected, the revered, the powerful? 
Absolutely not. It was the shepherds. I find it interesting that at Jesus' birth, the angels declared it first to the shepherds. And then after Jesus' death at the end of the Gospel of Luke, an angel will announce the resurrection. And who will he announce the resurrection to first? A group of women. Another group of people that were not allowed to give testimony in court because they were deemed unreliable. Christmas is the story of the highest glory coming to the lowest people. And I think about how often churches and ministries emphasize trying to reach those of high status, trying to gear their ministries toward reaching the celebrity or reaching the popular or reaching the culturally revered with the thought that, well, if we reach them, then everybody else will follow. Shoot for the stars when you try to, the literal or figurative stars, the celebrities. If we get them, we got it. And in a society where the word influencer has become its own meaning, where it's not just a way to describe somebody who has influence, an influencer is an actual job now with an income, a social media star who's an influencer, make money just because people follow them. But the shepherds were not the influencers of Jewish culture, not the high and mighty, not the most religious, not the most impressive. And yet, it's the shepherds who hear the good news of great joy for all the people. Have you ever considered that perhaps this was the first time in their lives that they heard good news that is for them? And the good news that in Christ there are no outsiders. In the birth of Jesus, God came to be one of us and invite us in, not keep us out. This is a truth that grown-up Jesus would teach about and, even more importantly, model himself 30 years later with his line, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Some of you might have heard the name Amy Carmichael. If you haven't, it's worth um, reading the book, A Chance to Die, or maybe going reading about her online. She served as a cross-cultural missionary in the early 1900s, and when she entered into the mission field and went abroad, she did not know where that path would lead, but she had this devout love for the Lord and a real heart for the lost. And when you have a love for the Lord and a heart for the lost, God will use it to magnify his name through you. And this path for Amy Carmichael led to southern India. And as you know, even more then than it is now, India had a major caste system in place. And you know who was at the bottom of the rung? They're called the untouchables. And Carmichael, as a single English woman, herself would be an untouchable as an outsider. And yet she had a love for the Lord, and she had a heart for the lost, and it paved the way to now reach the untouchables as an untouchable herself. She became an untouchable. She began an orphanage, and the impact that she had, not only then starting that caste system at the bottom, but starting to work its way up, is why we know her name. It's why we read books about her. 
But she got to that status, not by going for the top, but by serving, going to the bottom. This is what Jesus did. This is what happens when you have a deep love for God and a heart for the lost. She did it because Christ first loved her. And he became one of us in order to save us, not rule over us. And we come to him because he first came to us. This is the central point of the song Tori just sang. I wonder how many of you picked up on that. It's a new song, but it's a, it's a play off the song we sang just a few minutes before it. The famous hymn, O Come All You Faithful. This song was called Come All You Unfaithful. The bruised, the broken, those who feel alone, those who are alone, who feel like the outsiders, the down and out, those maybe this Christmas season above all other Christmas seasons, those who have lost a grasp on hope, feel like they're empty. I don't know where this path leads, but it feels hopeless. Those are the people that Jesus came for. And if you are feeling along those lines, lift your eyes. He came for you. This is the audience. And then third, the song. The song where the lyrics take up the least amount of room and yet again seem to say the most of all. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. This is the Christmas exchange. This is the real gift exchange. God gives peace to mankind, and mankind gives glory to God. God gets the glory. We get the peace. The highest glory comes to the lowest people. God comes to you. God comes to me. And all those who are heavy laden all those who feel the inner chaos in the midst of a chaotic world, this is the only true and lasting offer of peace. So for those here this afternoon, those watching online, I imagine that there are many who are longing for true and lasting peace, and maybe until now it has felt as distant as could be. But everyone's life, in one way or another, is defined by, defined by an attempt to find peace. A peace of mind, a stability, a comfort, a security, an assurance that everything's going to be okay. And this world has a lot of false stories that love to offer and promise peace but can never deliver it. The false story of consumerism if I just have the right things and buy the right things and get enough money to afford the right things and have the right stuff, maybe give some stuff to others, I'll have peace. The false story of progressivism, that as a society, we will do all the right things. We're always getting better. We'll always instate the right laws, and we will legislate our way to peace. The false story of individualism, that the inner you is the only one you need to truly satisfy. And just be true to yourself. And just follow your heart. And only then will you have true peace. 
but it fails to see that following your heart is the problem in the first place, not the solution. The story of Christmas is not that you go find peace, but that peace comes to find you. Peace is a person. He is freely offered. He, didn't, he did not come to be one of us so that we could just repay him. The story we believe, the story we live by, the true story is the story of the highest glory coming to the lowest people. And when someone receives the peace that only Jesus offers, they give glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. It's all we can do, and it's all God asks of us. And so if you have never received Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I'm not saying that you don't know about him or you don't know the story of Christmas or you've heard this story every Christmas for as long as you can remember. I'm asking, do you know him? Do you know that he came for you? Do you know the peace that he offers? Do you know the calling on your life is not to do better, but to surrender? To draw near to him because he has drawn near to you. What a way to end and redeem the dark year that was and is 2020. Because just like the shepherds in the field, it's always the darkest of moments where light shines the brightest. And the invitation for you is to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, for he lived the life that you could not live so that he could die the death that you deserved, that in him you might have eternal life. And for those who by God's grace have received Christ and you are on a journey along with me and pursuing him and it's imperfect and it's slower than we want, but you're seeking to live for him, make him the center of our lives, let this be a simple but needed reminder of peace in a year that has been anything but peaceful. Because when we find our story in the middle of his story, he gets the glory. We get the peace. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we even gather and we go from here, that we would remember these simple but powerful and transformative story of Christmas. That we would remember today, tomorrow, every day thereafter, that this is our story. The story of the highest glory coming to the lowest people. So that we as the lowest people are exalted to the highest of places forevermore. Father, I pray that you would work in us and that you would work through us so that we might also model what you have modeled, that this world might look at the church, might look at Grace Church, not as the high and mighty, not as those who think they're better than others, not those who are condescending in the way we live or speak, but that we too might seek to serve and pour ourselves out for others. And that, let that mark our lives, let that mark our church, let that be a life that understands true peace. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done. We thank you for what you will do. And we thank you that it's all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.